Hi, Insiders. It's Lisa. Welcome back to a new episode of Disney Movie Insiders Presents. We're taking you on an insider's look of season two of The Bad Batch with the show's head writer and supervising director. When the new season of Star Wars The Bad Batch opened, months had passed since the events on Kamino, and The Bad Batch continued their journey navigating the Empire after the fall of the Republic. This season, they will cross paths with friends and foes as they take on a variety of thrilling mercenary missions that will take them to unexpected and dangerous new places. There's no doubt the stakes are higher in Season 2, and we are so ready for Clone Force 99 and Omega to get back to work. Prepare yourselves, insiders, to join the squad and experience exciting all-new adventures across the galaxy. Now let's talk about Season 2 with executive producer and head writer Jennifer Corbett and executive producer and supervising director Brad Rao. Welcome, you two. Thank you. Thanks a lot. We're so happy to have you here, and we want to start off with asking... How did you get into your careers? It sounds like you both have some very unique backgrounds with Jennifer. It sounds like military experience, Brad, animation. It's so cool how your worlds are combined now, but I'd love to hear more about your journey here. Take it away, Brad. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Brad Volatile. Let's go with Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mine is less exciting than Jen. So yeah, okay, I'll I'll do that. Um, Yeah, it's going to sound kind of lame, but when I was five years old, my mom took my brother and I to see The Empire Strikes Back, and it it literally changed our lives. Everything was Star Wars after that. So without a doubt, Star Wars drove me to want to get into the entertainment business. So it's a, it's a dream come true to work for Lucasfilm. I started as an animator back in the 90s with paper and pencil um, and worked in animation for several years. Uh, met Dave when he was starting The Clone Wars um, and almost worked with him on, on The Clone Wars, but I was starting my own animation studio at the same at the same time which is a whole other chapter very very crazy but eventually destiny worked out so that i could join him on uh, rebel season two also worked on star wars resistance forces of destiny and then was able to meet jen and work on the bad batch with her as well wow all right jen your your turn here <laughs> oh boy i mean I, I could take a whole hour here <laughs> yeah no doubt right Um, I just, I grew up watching television. It was something that our family did together as a bit of a bonding experience. So I was really influenced by shows like the wonder years, uh, Murphy Brown and Saturday night live. Like that was just sort of what we all did. And, um, I didn't really know TV writing was a job until I was getting out of the military and figuring out what I was going to do next with my life. And, uh, read a book about TV writing and I was like, oh my God, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's what I'm meant to do. I love it so much. And uh, I went to grad school and came out here to Los Angeles and just started interning and being a writer's assistant and um, landed on a couple shows and uh, then did six years at NCIS, uh, which used my um, Navy experience. Um, luckily, <laughs> it came wow. in handy. Um, and when I was there, I got the opportunity to uh, do a f- couple freelance scripts for Star Wars Resistance. And that's how I got into the Lucasfilm fold, because I had been um, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the Clone Wars when it originally aired because I was um, I believe I was in, still in the military at the time. Oh, so goodness. I, I saw it later and I just binged it and I was just blown away by the scale of that show. And I reached out to my reps and was like, I, I just love what Lucasfilm Animation is doing with the Clone Wars. And then at that time, Rebels was airing. And I was like, can you please, like, can I just get a meeting over there? And um, that's when I met Josh Rhymes and how I um, got hooked up with Resistance. And that was a great experience, had a lot of fun. Um, 
and yeah, and then that led to uh, developing the Bad Batch and working with uh, Dave and Brad, and it's been incredible. Isn't this so crazy sometimes in life where you go hindsight 2020, you're talking about all of those steps and how everything led to the next thing and how it all worked. Your past experience made so much sense for the next thing. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Hearing that. Um, I will say that Brad already talked about it, Empire Strikes Back, seeing a Star Wars movie for the first time and the impact that it had on, on him, because here you are in the Star Wars family, can you share a little bit more? I mean, for you, Jennifer, like, you know, what was that like? What was your first experience that you remember that was like a marker for you? Mine's a little different than Brad's. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I grew up with three older brothers and my middle brother, John was a massive Star Wars fan. He had various editions of the VHS tapes. He had all the books and I couldn't go into his room without him, without that being on in the background. So it was constantly around me and I was surrounded by it, but I'd say it didn't fully hit me until years later when the new trilogy was coming out. And I was like, you know what, let me do a whole nother deep dive in star Wars. And I watched uh, all the originals, watched the prequels and then started getting into the animated stuff. So it was sort of like once once Star Wars, you know, was out there again, I just, you know, came into it new, I guess. And again, I was just shocked by the the wide range of storytelling going on, not even in just the movies, but with the animated TV shows. So that's really how I got into it. And then what about you, Brad? Are you seeing like the trailers before Empire Strikes Back or what's that draw for you? I mean, for Jennifer, she's got a brother next door. that has got it <laughs> pumping all day long. But for you, <laughs> what's your introduction? You lit- literally, I mean, it's a real, it's a true story. Five years old, five years old. And I was at that age when the original, when A New Hope came out, I was only two. Didn't, mm. didn't get to see it until after I was obsessed with Empire Strikes Back and our dad took my brother and I to a local theater that was rerunning. They had, they had some, um, you know, they had a new hope rerunning at, at certain times. So every, literally everything was Star Wars. We had, we saved up all of our Christmas and birthday money to buy the Kinner action figures. And we, I mean, we can only buy a few. So we had to pick and choose our favorites. My brother, we would never get the same ones, even though I wanted the Darth Vader, but okay, you get it. Okay, Matthew, you get Darth Vader. I'll get Luke. So that we could combine our our toys we our dad had a super eight video camera we made somewhere i don't know where there's this really <laughs> terrible storyline that we made of this uh stop motion film using our action figures and the final i say it's terrible because the final scene for some reason is my brother and i running and jumping in our pool it has, it has no narrative <laughs> value to that story at all but that was literally everything we did was star wars at school playing star wars with our friends at home, it was it was everything. It was everything. Can, yeah. can I get your brother's contact information to see if you can dig that up for us? No, no. Yeah, I think he has it somewhere. It's, it's somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, it was you know when Return of the Jedi came out. You know, uh, don't tell my principal, but my mom took me out of school so we could go see it <laughs> open day. Uh, and uh, when when we knew there's not going to be any more movies, we were so sad, so obsessed with all the games and all the books and, and all the comics. Sounds like your brother Jen, just everything was was uh was star wars and when the prequels came out we were waiting in line overnight at the coronet theater in san francisco to go and see it and everything was everything was star wars so yeah getting an opportunity even just to meet dave when he was starting the clone wars was a dream come true to go to the skywalker ranch and and meet him he's so awesome and just to hear what they were what they were planning and i was oh 
literally just starting with a couple of my buddies, an animation studio, a small studio. And I, oh, oh Dave, I, oh, I, I'll, I'll see. We'll, we'll join up again some at some point. So we always just stayed in touch over the years. And it was, it was a awesome pleasure just to know, you know, just to know him, but to get to work with him on Rebels, like I said, and, and uh, as, as well on Resistance and Forces of Destiny. It was awesome. And so when it, when we got to a point, when I got to meet Jen to work on, on this show, I knew I hadn't met you, Jen, but I knew your scripts from Resistance because they were so good. And I remember asking our script coordinator, who is this Jennifer Corbett? What is this? This is incredible. Um, so it was really, it was really awesome when we had a chance to unite and work on this show. Gosh, that's so cool. It really was all leading to this. And this is so, so cool that separate shows like you're talking about, and then you end up merging together. I also, Brad, I'm going to notate that just for the future. I love the idea of strategizing gifts where your brother would ask for one and you'd get the other ones that you could then have the full collection. That's pretty brilliant. (laughs) And we still don't have the full collection, but we had the key, the key pieces. Quality, quality move right there. (laughs) Okay. So you finally, after each of you getting into the Star Wars, like just stories, you get Bad Batch. Um, What's that moment like now after season one that it's out into the world and you're seeing the reactions. Like, how does that feel after you're talking about your experiences with it over time? Season one was really interesting because, you know, we aired during the pandemic. So we weren't able to be out there and and do interviews and sort of like connect with fans and, and have sort of screening. So it was a different sort of space, but I wouldn't say that made the excitement any, any less than that because, you know, we were all just, I think, we had been working on it for so long and, and it was just, you know, even though Brad and I had seen cuts of uh, obviously of the very first episode and um, like, I'd say at least a hundred times before it actually aired, still watching it, you know, drop on Disney plus and experiencing that was, you know, I, I can't even, I can't even describe it. It's, you know, and seeing the fans react to, you know, this show, which is very much a successor series to Clone Wars and, um, you know, the bar was so high uh, with, you know, how Dave ended that series. And, you know, the fans have really embraced these these uh, oddball characters, which uh, which we're happy with. And I think we embrace them as well and we love them all. But, uh, yeah, it's been season one has been a ride and, and it's just it's great to be back for season two and and for people to have already seen just a few episodes and and hopefully being excited about where we're going. So exciting. Okay, so wait, tell us about that though. So anybody who's unfamiliar with the Bad Batch, the character's origin, can you tell us about that? Because you're saying obviously Clone Wars, you had an amazing Bad Batch season one, now we're in season two. What can you tell us about the themes, the story, the characters? Okay, so um, the Bad Batch is about this squad of genetically defective clones. And uh, we started season one with Order 66 and the group deciding to defect from the empire and you know become deserters and they adopt uh this young clone omega um and season one is really about their survival and finding their new place in the galaxy that's rapidly changing now that uh the rebellion or no sorry now that the republic is gone and the empire has you know fully taken over and we end season one with the destruction of topoka city which is the home of the clones and very much closing a chapter for um, the clones in Star Wars. Uh, and where we begin in season two is months have passed since that attack and uh, the Bad Batch are now sort of under the Empire's radar because they think that this squad perished 
in the attack on Topoka City. So now our squad has to decide as the galaxy continues to change and things are sort of getting worse, how involved they're going to be uh, and and how much they want to get involved because that involves them being put back on the Empire's radar. And really sort of the things we want to explore in this season are coming into contact with various groups of people who are in need of help and what they're willing to risk in order to make a difference. And Brad and I have talked a lot about season two being about a crossroads for various characters in this show. And that is something that's, we've gone into uh, great depth in various episodes exploring that idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and having a Having that little bit of time that passed was really was really interesting and was an obvious decision to do early on, so we could see you know that the Bad Batch as a team aren't doing great. They're kind of working gig to gig a little bit somewhere. They saved up enough money to give the kid like some proper some proper clothing and a helmet. For goodness sakes, come on, dads, give her <laughs> give her a helmet. But to see Omega in particular, how much she's grown, you know, in that in the time at the end of season one to the beginning of season two, you could see that she's been trained more and she's learning more. And, you know, there's this interesting family dynamic. And that's really the cool thing that Jen and I talk about a lot, even though this is, you know, this awesome special forces team, really they're a family. And so how mm-hmm. these, and I'm going to steal a phrase that Jenna had mentioned in one of our other discussions, the space dads, mm-hmm. how, the, how the space dads teach Omega and how she also teaches them their dynamic back and forth is, is really cool. And I think it gives us um, like a lot of fun stuff to work with. Yeah, one of the things in early on in the um, development of the show was that I was intrigued by these special ops clones and how you give them a mission and they can do it and it's it's they'll figure it out. But now that there are guardians for this young clone, that's when everything kind of changes, because when you're responsible for yourself you can take bigger risks, but when you, when other people are counting on you and when you have a kid to consider everything Mm -hmm. sort of, there's a lot more at stake and even more so as more time passes and as the galaxy and the empire is getting stronger. So I just love, love that dynamic between them as this family and all of them figuring out what their purposes are and who they are as people now that they're not soldiers for the Republic anymore. That's really great. I mean, how exciting as you're talking about kind of just that evolution specifically of the character of Omega, how it's a protecting kind of positioning of her. And then now she's much more a part mm-hmm. of everything. She's in the action. That's pretty yeah. cool. The shift that you see and that you're describing. Um, I've got to say though, there's, there's a lot to cover. <laughs> You've got 16 episodes here. How do you determine what you focus on and spread that out across the season? That's a great question. <laughs> you know, I early on in this season, we deliberately show a variety of different things that the team is doing. Some of them are very mission-based. Some of them are for fun, honestly. And as the story moves along, it sort of naturally becomes a little more serialized, honestly, as we as we go through the season. And, you know, that's, uh, as creators, that's, we love those kind of stories. It was really fun to see how we can show without spoiling anything, show very specific things we wanted to highlight on and then bring them together as one concise narrative. Yeah, it's all about balance, really. And especially now that we have these different storylines, now that this squad is fractured, we, you know, anytime we're talking about Crosshair, it's going to have a very different vibe because 
he is in the empire and and his path is drastically different than the lives of the bad batch right now and we that gave us the opportunity to have these episodes that are a little darker but then we also want episodes where it's a big galaxy so we want them to go on these different missions to where they're exposed to other elements out there and other groups some that are um you know, a little bad. And <laughs> so that, like Brad said, they it becomes this fun adventure. And um, I mean, that's that's really how we're able to sort of sustain and and but again, it does as as season two progresses, like Brad's saying, it does become a little bit more serialized as paths sort of start to cross. It sounds like certainly a lot to keep track of. And it sounds like you really are the experts of keeping that all in line in such a <laughs> Oh my gosh, so much, which is amazing and so exciting. I will ask to close. You're a part of this production and clearly it's a team, much like the Bad Batch season two that we're seeing. Which character would you say you are most like a part of the production? Ooh. (laughs) I always think it's better. It's easier for me to tell you who I think Brad is versus myself. (laughs) And maybe Brad, it's easier for you to say who I am. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay. All right, who's first? Brad, I think Jennifer threw it to you. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Um, it depends on the day. <laughs> Jen is a very, very complicated person. Some days, Hunter for sure. Some days, <laughs> Crosshair for sure. I accept, all right. I accept these results. <laughs> she stops. Brad is definitely tech and with shades of echo. Oh, whoa. In there. That's a shocker. I love the nuances here. (laughs) (laughs) Not one, but two characters were selected for each of you. Very, very nice. I love it. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you both so much for the time today. We are so excited that Bad Dash Season 2 is out. Fans are excited. They're loving it. And thank you so much for just sharing about your fandom because we love Star Wars here on this show. So thank you so much for sharing your world with us. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Great to meet you. Bye. Our next guest is from the Disney family and is the Senior Vice President, Digital Media, and General Manager of Movies Anywhere. Karen Guilford, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to meet you, and I'm so excited to be here today. We're thrilled to have you here. So let's kick things off. Where are you from? How did you get your start in the industry and at Disney? Yeah, so I um, grew up in a relatively small town in Illinois, right outside of um, Chicago. So not really the entertainment hub of you know the country, but had sort of an interest in the entertainment industry early on, and really had a passion for music. Um, and that uh, led me to working in everything from the local record store to the local video rental store, anything that got me closer um, to the entertainment industry, and just kind of being a part of it and you know, being able to talk about it at work every day. I actually moved to LA um, at 19 to go to college and um, started out as a accounting and finance major, auditing all the record labels and movie studios around town. Had a great uh, time on the Warner Brothers lot early in my career, which was, you know, um, uh, very impactful for me and really just worked my way up on the business side of the entertainment industry went back to business school. And right when I came out, digital was taking off. And so I combined kind of this new interest in digital with my existing passion for entertainment and really started out 
early in 2001, actually in digital media and have been in that um, field for the last um, 22 years. So seen a lot change over that period of time. White a trajectory that I love how you mentioned it all started in a record store and how you have such a passion for music. That is so, so cool. And then, yeah, I'm geeking out, obviously, how you said you were on the Warner Brothers lot, just seeing the different, how media just evolved over time. That's super, super fascinating. So we have to ask though, of course, because you being the GM of Movies Anywhere, we imagine you love movies just like us. So what movies defined you throughout different stages of your life? Yeah, yeah, I've always been a huge movie fan. Love the um, escapism of it. And it was really my first, aside from music, um, field of passion in entertainment. So the movies that really define me, I think probably remind me of a special time in my life. Um, one of the ones I always like to mention is Nine to Five. Um, it's a classic with just strong, you know, female characters who have really, you know, the all the actresses have stood the, st- the test of time. And I just remember it being just such a fun ride as a kid and just seeing these females in the workplace and kind of the trials and tribulations. And then, you know, obviously super exaggerated, but fun as I've made my way through my career to, you know, just think back on that movie and and the women in that office and sort of, you know, maybe take things a little bit more lighthearted. So nine to five always just stands out as something, you know, that always makes me smile that I always can't not watch, you know, when I, when I see it in front of me. Um, so that one, that's one uh, for me for sure. Uh, another one that comes to mind, you know, that's a little bit more recent is definitely Star Wars Episode Seven has mm. a special place in my heart. Obviously, as you know, a child of the era of the originals, you know, the anticipation of that franchise coming back, but also and and being part of that at the Walt Disney Company, all the buildup and excitement that we all had as cast members. But also, um, my husband, you know, production designed that, and you know, went to London for a long period of time. I was back here working at Disney with my two kids and it was just a really, you know, kind of challenging, but also super special time for us because it was a lifelong dream for him to work on that. And then, you know, to get to see the final product and the strong female character in Ray was just sort of, you know, just to, you know, have that great experience bringing the, the IP back, being, you know, a cast member at Disney, having my husband work on it, and then seeing how it all came together with a strong female lead was just really magical. So that one is is really special to me for sure. Very magical indeed. And I'm loving just the through line there from nine to five to Ray obviously is the lead in The Force Awakens, strong, powerful women such as you are. And I mean, how cool is that, that The Force Awakens you're mentioning? And we're celebrating the Bad Batch today in this episode. So super, super cool right there, Karen. Thank you so much for that. So I want to ask, we're talking about strong leaders. When you made your transition into being a leader in the workplace, did you receive any advice? And how did you take that? You know, I I got great advice all along the way from remarkable people that I got to work with, but I learned so much by observing, to be honest, and, and just being really in tune to how different leaders made me feel personally and sort of always, you know, internalized that and thought about how the way I would lead would make others feel, you know what I mean? Even down to just you know, the impact you have on others on a day-to-day basis and they're going home to their families after work. And, you know, you always have a choice in the way you show up as a leader and always just kind of keeping 
in mind the impact that you have on people day to day. So um, anyway, so I was lucky enough along the way to have just fantastic, you know, leaders who, you know, drove great results, but also really brought a human side to leadership. And so I think for me, especially um, as a working mom, my entire career, really, um, I, I always just have valued that in other leaders and have tried to also bring that into the workplace myself. That's awesome. And I think similar to that, confidence is so much a part of what you seem to shine with right now. How have you built it over the course of your career? You know what? I think it's really by taking small personal risks on a day-to-day basis. I sometimes like everybody has like big milestones and achievements in their career, but everybody can wake up every day, look at what they have in front of them in their calendar and just think of like something courageous to do that day. Because, you know, I think, you know, maybe chiming in in a meeting or just showing up with just a little bit more confidence and turning it up a little at work kind of starts getting you on on those slopes of like testing it out for yourself and and sort of reaching new heights really because you're not going to get there just sort of doing the same old same old so i i you know encourage everybody just to you know take the right size risks for them and just continually kind of push themselves ahead you know what i mean and really you know make it happen you know for yourself and look for those opportunities kind of in your, your network and, and just be proactive every day. So I love that courage, inspiring confidence right there, but really, really, I think will encourage a lot of people right there. Okay. So you seem very passionate. Can you tell us about passion projects, both personal and business that you've experienced in your life? Yeah. You know, I've been lucky enough to have a few passion projects. I think at Disney, we're actually in the middle of one right now. Um, we've launched 12 fast channels um, on our ABC property, which are really innovative for the Walt Disney Company, bringing kind of a new way to experience Walt Disney Company um, content to users in a format that's really taking off, which is free ad-supported television. So that's sort of an innovation, you know, um, that we've um, housed on my team uh, on our ABC property that I'm really proud of lately, very sort of entrepreneurial um, project uh, within Disney. So that I think is one really great example. And I think the work, you know, we do a lot of great work every, every day, I think operationally, and, you know, just bringing great day-to-day experiences to our consumers and having a great, you know, uh, feedback loop with our customers, hearing from them, listening to what they want out of the experiences that we bring and bring to them every day and really trying to deliver against that. So I think, you know, within our portfolio, it really is about sort of taking that experience to the next level for our consumers, for things that they're already maybe enjoying at the Walt Disney Company. And so I think that's what I'm a prou- proud of uh, mostly is just the innovation really on a day-to-day basis that we have on our team. That is really, really awesome. And you, I mean, just speaking with you, you you're mentoring so many right now just in this interview, but I want to ask, how do you mentor specifically just day to day? Or how did you find your mentors along your journey? You know, most of my mentors have sort of been right there with me, kind of at work, almost, you know, walking the same path as me, but maybe from a different point of view, which I've always found really helpful, kind of finding those mentors right at work because, you know, they can give you that, um, on the fly advice, they're really kind of seeing you for who you are at that moment, you know, and and things can change, you know, really quickly, personally, and in your career. And that's sort of what I also look to, I, I do try to find people 
right in my orbit who are on my team. My kids are a little older now. Some of my mentees now are even, um, you know, their friends who I've known, you know, since they were children. But I really think it, it sort of starts locally, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Just just like a lot of things. And so I, I really encourage people to re- reach out, you know, to people right there near them and, and mentors to do the same. You know, I feel like everybody should always be looking for mentees and people that, you know, they can help a little bit or, or influence in a positive way. You are an abundance of wisdom. I will say that. I want to ask you though, what is something you wish you knew at the start of your career that you know now? Um, I think one thing that I always tell people that I feel like you're sort of in tune to, and it's kind of a cliche that really um, comes to life is you see a lot of the same people. You know, I think showing up as a good person and looking at each person that you encounter um, in your own career journey as somebody that you will see again, I think changes your perspective a little bit. And, and it really is true. You know what I mean? It will really surprise you, you know, the people um, that you'll meet again in a, a long and fulfilling career. So I think one thing, you know, nobody really told me, I think I kind of realized it early again by observing my bosses and and seeing these longtime connections that they had and wanting to have that for myself. And it sort of made me show up, I think, in in sort of a respectful manner and not take things on my career journey too personally, but still advocate for myself. Um, And I think that that's really served me well. And it's advice that I, I, I always try to give my teams when, when I get people together for all hands and stuff at critical moments, just reminding, Hey, look left, look right. You know, this new person that just joined our team or that you're working with right now could be something really meaning, somebody really meaningful in your career. And this is your kind of first day together um, on that journey. So anyway, just uh, that's usually a big piece of my advice and something, you know, nobody told me, I wish somebody would have told me uh, that I kind of realized is, is, you know, you will see see people throughout your career over and over again. And that makes it really gratifying. Mm, I like that. It speaks so much to what you're saying about just even mentoring and being a mentee, like throughout your time and your career, you're, there's a circle of life almost yeah. very Disney about it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that's the reason um, I love working at the Walt Disney company. And I think it shines through mm-hmm. in our products, in our content, you know, the great place I feel that it is, is to work, um, you know, because of some of these attributes. So anyway, it's, it, you spend a lot of time at work. So I think it's, it's great to try to make it a nice place. I love that so much. Okay. Well, speaking of a nice place, how about we dive into our insider five questions? Karen Guilford, are you ready to take on the insider five? Yes, I am. Okay. Here we go. Your first question. What is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Honestly, my earliest memory is going to see Bedknobs and Broomsticks in the theater in small town, Illinois with all of my 13 cousins, which was a huge deal. One to have everybody together. I don't even know how we physically got to the theater, which is, <laughs> but we did get there. And I just remember the movie was so fantastical. And then it was also just a magical memory kind of being there uh, with, you know, that large group of kids at the theater who were all my cousins. So that is fabulous. 13? Goodness gracious. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, that is truly a magical memory. Okay. Next up. If you could only ride one ride all day at a Disney park, which would it be? This is the easiest question. It's hands down Guardians of the Galaxy at Walt Disney World at Epcot Center. 
It is the best ride on the planet. I encourage everybody to try to get there to ride it. It's so amazing. Bold, brave, courageous, Karen Guilford. Wow, that's all I have to say about that answer. <laughs> Next up, it's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? Let it go, 100%. Yes, let it go. Love it. <laughs> Your next question. You're invited to a Disney-themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? I have to stay consistent and say I would dress as Ray, of course. You know, the heroine who brought the brought the Star Wars franchise back for all of us. So I think I'm going as Ray. Karen, I literally actually just did, dressed up as Ray this past Halloween. So I have to say I'm an advocate. I support you in this decision. Nice. I'll give you some tips Why later. Why your costume? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and to close us out on the Insider 5, which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? I have to say Obi-Wan Kenobi has given pretty consistent life advice. And one of them that I turn to again and again um, for an example on my team is, you know, this is not, these are not the droids you're looking for. Like this, this isn't the thing to focus on right now. Let's focus over there. You know what I mean? So I just really like that as just a shorthand to just maybe, you know, cut to the chase of like, you know what, let's just focus somewhere else right now. So I don't, I find myself quoting Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, quite frequently. And that's an often used phrase of mine. Yeah. You know, Karen, I've never thought about that in that context before. And I've got to say, I'm going to use that going forward. That is a brilliant, brilliant piece of life advice. So thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today, encouraging, inspiring so many out there. And then also for taking on the Insider Five. Thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you. That's our show. Star Wars The Bad Batch is now streaming on Disney+. Plus, So you don't miss any upcoming podcast episodes, subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and review. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code OMEGA. The code expires March 28, 2023 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, insiders, with more Disney movie magic.